Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Jeff Stein's our national and presidential expert, noted author. Find his books over at Next Chapter Books as well as uh, TotallyIowa.com, the Iowa Business Report, the Iowa Politics Report. Come to us from KXEL, Cedar Falls, Waterloo, where Jeff has decided to grace us with his presence. <laughs> so I saw on the socials, you got rid of the brace. I've got rid and of Bracey, yeah. Yeah. And apparently Bracey was like helping you restrain your emotions because I heard the end of the last sentence oh, or yeah. the last segment. Are, are you okay, dude? No, you, I, you I'm, I'm fine. You know what? You know what I, I have a very hard time with? Okay. And I'll just say this. Okay. I'm a Christian, okay. right? Mm-hmm. I can't stand people who wrap themselves in Christianity who do the least Christian things they can possibly do. And you saw the thing with Steve Driscowski, I'm presuming out of, out of the Minnesota Senate about they're debating the bill about, uh, Free, uh, you know, food for uh, breakfast and lunch for school kids in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. All right. He basically went out there and insisted there. Uh, he's never seen a hungry person in Minnesota. He doesn't. There's not a person he's met that doesn't have enough food. He says that. Oh, are, is hunger? I had a breakfast bar earlier. I'm hungry now. Is that what we're talking about with hunger? Uh, he was just an absolute. I mean, you cannot be Christian. The Gospel of Matthew, for goodness sakes, you cannot be a Christian. And claim that, oh, we shouldn't feed the hungry. This is this is right from Jesus' mouth, for goodness sakes. And so well, I, 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 I kind of have a really big problem with these guys destroying re- my religion because it's inconvenient for their political narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, I tend to find that those who claim to be the most, quote, religious are the m- are the ones you need to watch the most, yeah. just generally, okay? And 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 I'm sorry if that offends somebody, but but the bottom line is, to me, those who like to tell you how full of faith they are, eh, you know, I mean, do you need to tell me that? Because I, uh, it seems to me that you're overcompensating for some other deficiency. I don't know. Well, it's usually for me, and so yeah, I was passionate, and 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 someone needs to someone needs to stand up to the bully that is Steve Driscowski. So <laughs> guilty as charged. So, but I will. What I'll say is this: uh, the, um, yeah. you know, I for me, it's it's the people who's. Let me tell you who Jesus wants you to hate. What? <laughs> it's like I, I don't that okay yeah. wait no that's that's no that's no 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 that's that's not it and so i mean and i'm not saying that that's what he said but you know it's the people that throw away you know the gospels or they basically tell me you know what what jesus really wanted you to do is is hate gay people you know you're like what in the world what are you reading because no and my guess it's some probably one of paul's letters to someone but you know that'd be my guess well, once again, you have a situation where there are certain things you can't say in an argument without it getting just blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. You can't say Hitler, and you really shouldn't be starting <laughs> to rely on the Bible. Because, again, people have used those for their own purposes. And, you know, as with most things, check the original source like, oh, I don't know, the Bible. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't take my word for it. Go to the original source. Wait a, this doesn't say border wall. Um, 
Well, that's in the margin. Did you not see what was written in the margin? Oh, Matthew? Church of England, man. That was a wacky time, man. That Church of England. Uh <laughs> Okay. All right. Church of England reference. Yeah, there we go. I did not have I did not have Church of England reference on my Matt McNeil show bingo card today. Buckle up, man. This show goes all over the place like a ferret on a double espresso. So let's go to the banking issue. Here is what I find to be amazing about this. Mm-hmm. All right, so we we have Dodd Frank that gets passed after the, the banks basically commit suicide in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and you know, mm-hmm. and and it was it was it was kind of destined for that to happen because they were not regulating themselves. In twenty eighteen, Trump Republicans, some Democrats, and in more than a handful, one or you know, like 10, 15 Democrats, all said we do not need to regulate banks whose wealth. Containment is fifty billion to two hundred and fifty billion. What is considered a mid-level bank? They were do, they were lobbied big by banks like Silicon Valley Bank, as well as others, to basically ease up the rules. The second they did, these banks immediately started engaging in bad behavior. In the case of Silicon Valley, they started getting into riskier and riskier real estate bill, uh, you know, investments, which had great return for their executives. They were getting big pay bonuses. They were getting big pay increases. And then all of a sudden interest rates changed and they were basically held out to dry because they were not doing their due diligence as a bank. Now, here we are. So clearly lesson learned we cannot trust banks. We've learned this is the second time now in 20 years. We cannot trust banks to regulate themselves. We just can't. And the amount of people, including Democrats, who are out there right now saying, no, the big problem here is regulation. And you're like, what? Well, here's, you know, I, you, you very accurately state that there are folks on all sides of the political spectrum who have, uh, uh, have some, some guilt or have some blame to to uh, receive on this. So this is this is one of these things where the money that the banks had to make contributions and to lobby, et cetera, that's one of the big problems with Washington. All right, so twice in a 15-year period, we now have seen huge issues when banks are not watched and regulated. And frankly, this could have been prevented had there been some increased government oversight with the existing rules. Had you had honest people who were not in it for themselves running the banks. Yeah. Had you not had the Fed do what it did with interest rates that then started turning us upside down in a variety of bond levels. The bottom line is it's a perfect storm. Okay. But do you want to have a perfect storm every decade or decade and a half? Or do you want to say, you know, it seems these storm clouds are brewing much more frequently. Maybe we ought to do something. Because I, I understand the idea of saying the government needed to come in and guarantee deposits or we were going to have a huge problem. Well, here's what we need to figure out. We cannot treat the McNeil family's savings account, which is guaranteed, insured up to a quarter million dollars by the FDIC, the same way we treat the checking account of Roku, for mm-hmm. crying out loud, right? At $600 million, whatever it was, some mm-hmm. you know monopoly money level. You put that in the bank, and then you say, well, yes, I did understand that each account has a limit of a quarter million dollars, but we didn't think that meant us. There's got to be some other way so that these companies don't flood the bank with money and then come to the government for a handout. 
And I picked on Roku because it was the most egregious example. Who does that? There are other places where you put your money. There are other, uh, not just banks. But, but the concept of saying we've got these huge deposits and they're only insured to a certain level, you're old enough to remember when it was $100,000. Mm-hmm. I barely remember that it was less than that in the past. So we moved it to a quarter million when inflation hit. All right, maybe we have to do some of that again. But come on, people, this is not the kind of thing you need. At the same time, Matt, we have a debt ceiling issue. Mm-hmm. The markets are already skittish. We've got the Fed. All right, should they raise basis uh, by 25 basis points uh, one week from today? Should it be 50? Should it be none? We have so much fear and uncertainty. And then this thing happens and the dominoes go across the ocean as well. Here's, you know, the, the, there is a tendency to not want to blame the executives of the bank. And, and I'm not saying you're not, you've, 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 you've said this, but really you only need to look at them because there are plenty yes. of banks that do not have a problem right now that have, yeah. n- did not get into risky investments. If you have a restaurant that lobbies your government to basically ease up on food safety restrictions, and then they do. And then that restaurant, because they've cut back on and they've gotten riskier, they're saving money and pocketing the cash by getting, you know, mystery meat, and they end up killing three people with food poisoning. No one looks at them and say, you know what the real problem here is? The food inspector. No, the problem is we cannot as a country because, and just whatever you want to call it, the age of greed, Reaganomics, whatever the case may be, this rise in corporate America since the 1980s, which have placed the executive class at a higher pedestal than the customers, the investors, the shareholders, the, 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 the employees, they have placed themselves at the pinnacle. And because of that, they basically feel as if the company exists for their benefit. And if we, you know, if you ease up these regulations, these people clearly cannot be trusted because this breakdown in five years, literally could not I mean, i've read from two economists that said this could not have happened faster this is the the minimal amount of time so the second that those regulations were eased up was the second that those banks started going down this path well at the very least the people who at the bank allowed it to happen and i'm being very generous with the phrase allowed it to happen they engineered it all right they are the ones who are the most guilty parties in this whole thing they abdicated their responsibility to their own shareholders, to the depositors, et cetera. So there cannot be enough fault put on the people who ran the bank, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, now, now that's number one. With regard to the concept of banks generally, and I don't care if we're talking large or small banks, the point of the bank is to what? Make money. Banks fail when they lose money. So that's why they loan money at X percent, and they give you interest on your savings at X minus some factor. If it ever gets upside down to where they pay you more in interest than they charge somebody for borrowing money, by definition, the whole thing is bad. Mm -hmm. And that's why banks work so hard to over-collateralize accounts. I remember in my days as a lawyer, I had a client who came in and said, um, you know, they were refinancing the house And the bank wanted to put the house and the two cars and put all of this stuff on there. And the cars had not been encumbered. They were paid for. And I called because I happened just to know it was a small town. I I knew the bank president. And I just said, what? I I don't understand. He goes, well, we always ask for that. I said, you don't need that. You know, the, the amount of the loan, you've got well more equity in the house 
the, I mean, you know, you're not going to go upside down on this. What they were trying to do was to attach everything so that they had even more collateral because if, if the uh, party wanted to sell the car, then they had to get the note refinanced again. I mean, it was a sneaky little move to nickel and dime these people. I'm just here to tell you, I'm sure there are some wonderful benevolent bankers. I just don't really know them. Well, and so you're dealing with an industry that by definition is dealing with money and has wads of it. So you really want them weighing in on government regulation? Well, and here's where, you know, and you're right in the sense being, if you just did that, most of these banks would never be in trouble because your job is to money in, money out. You keep track of the interest yep. rates. You do this. You keep your money in relatively safe investments. It's not a big problem. And as a matter of fact, that's what a lot of banks do. They do their due diligence. They don't want to get risky. It's not about owning a jet. It's not about any of this stuff. When you look back at what happened in 2008, when you look about at these banks here, which sure seems to me, and the fact that Biden immediately said, yeah, we're firing every executive here, basically, it implies to me that's the evidence I need enough. They're taking the bank's money, the big lump of money that they're supposed to have there, and they're getting risky with it because it's like Vegas. Sure, if you get a great payout, you can make a lot of money, but... If you, you, you know, all of a sudden those investments go south because they, and they go down south really quick, AKA crypto or something like that, it kind of blows up in your face. And if you are someone who's supposed to be in charge of a lot of money, these guys, they weren't looking at their bank's liquidity as a, something they needed to preserve. They were looking at it as a poker chip because if they could get big savings, that meant a big bonus that made big pay raises. And this is why you have to regulate them is because it's it's beyond just the banking because a regular banking system should never get risky. Almost all the time when these banks fail today, especially since the SNL uh, savings and loans scandal back, remember that was uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's when these guys got really risky with what's supposed to be their liquidity, their money that they're supposed to stand by, and that's all of a sudden it disappears, and you know it's only it's a ticking time bomb at that point. When do you earn a bonus when you're doing well? Yep. They're handing out bonuses when they're on the cusp of federal regulators coming in to shut them down. I'm not saying that they knew that the regulators were at the front door and they were hustling money out the back door. I have no reason to, to think that. But when you look at any company's performance, any nonprofit's performance, you're giving bonuses at a time, see, bonuses are not entitlements. Your salary is your entitlement. You work, you get your salary. You earn the bonus. You earn the bonus because you have done successfully, you know, tremendously well in terms of bringing in the revenue. These people getting these bonuses as if it is part of the regular compensation package, no matter how poorly they do, shut up. This is ridiculous. Who now, keep in mind, we do have some pressure, you and I as depositors, I just noticed in the newspaper last night, yes, I still read newspapers. Mm -hmm. I saw in the newspaper an ad for a bank, and it was an introductory CD rated 4.7% here, 5% there, and that attracted my attention. Okay, so banks are offering higher interest rates to get a new customer in. In the old days, it was a free toaster. Now I don't need a toaster. I need, okay, so, the, but they're not going to be able to offer that for a long time, or even offer it at all, unless everything else is in order. And I have to assume that as a depositor, we lose that assumption, the whole system crashes. Who was W's Treasury Secretary in, I think it was November of 20, 2008, who came on out and made the 
all time. I need you to give me a billion dollars. You can't ask where it goes. You can't ask for receipts. Just give me the money. And of course, even the Republicans were like, no, we're not going to do this. And what you found out later was, as you talked about Christmas bonuses, that was the entire point. All these executives at these banks that had failed because there was no money left in their bank and they insisted they should get paid their Christmas bonuses were then basically used their lobbying leverage to get that tre- to, to get W's tre- uh, Treasury Secretary to basically ask for taxpayer monies just to pay failed banking executives a Christmas bonus. I thought that was, I mean, if there's anything that shows you how delusional these people get if they're not regulated, it's that. That's the definition of chutzpah, oh, if yeah. we really want to go there. <laughs> uh, but again, could we, could we not, how do I phrase this? So you've got the guy running the bank selling a huge amount of bank stock. No, he knows what's going to happen. Yes. I mean, it's it's. I, how do we trigger this so that what what was he saying? Well, you know, Buffy's college fund is getting a little light. I'd better sell a gazillion dollars of stock. I mean, come on, does that not trigger anything yeah. by anyone? Apparently not. Well, it's it's. We're talking about dollar figures that are so obscene that, you know, it, it's there should be more regulation. And we used to do it and we just don't anymore. And we're seeing the outcome because you might well, be right. I, look, I know you're we're talking about you could personally take care of the deposits of the bank. That's walking around money for a guy like McNeil. I get that. <laughs> but as a man of the people, you can relate to how the rest of us must feel when we see those shenanigans happen. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, the, the minions, yes. I, I do see what happens to those people, yes. yes. Hello. Yes. hello. Once you stepped on to get into the door of the control room today. Hello, hello, people down there. Yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, 952-946-6205. We'll come on back. Uh, maybe we'll go We'll go Trump DeSantis here because it's All starting right. to get good. Uh, Jeff, wow. uh, Jeff Stein joining us right now. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. Billboard, baby, do a leap and make them dance when it come on. Everybody looking for a dance floor to run on. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Uh, Jeff Stein joining us. I don't know. if Did you catch that uh, moment when Trump's lawyers were trying to frantically grab the paper out of uh, uh, Ari Melber's hand <laughs> during the interview? <laughs> I believe, as you pointed out on the Twitter machine, nothing says innocence like grabbing for papers during an interview. I love the person who sent me the Nathan Thurm, the old Martin Short lawyer from Saturday Night Live, <laughs> yes. whose cigarette was the oldest long ash. I don't know who's accusing me. I'm not accusing you. Why are you so defensive? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump is it, definitely. Very thick glasses. Wasn't that oh, the, gosh, that the it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just, just such, that gl- greased back hair. Oh, fantastic character. I wish oh. you'd bring that one back um the trump is clearly feeling the footsteps of desantis i don't know how concerned he should be because i do not see within the trump faithful a willingness at least any on a massive scale of a shift to openness to shift to someone else they still seem to be fairly ensconced in the trump camp but at the same time, I think he's wanting to, because this is one thing that Trump does really well in, when it comes to campaigning, he knows how to take out the opponents. And so he has now got DeSantis in his eyes, in his, in his spotlight. He is watching him, and he's going on the attack there. Talk a little bit about that, because I, I, I do think DeSantis, the thing that people say about DeSantis is DeSantis is just not a real good 
public speaker, people person. You know, Clinton was a great people person. That's how he got that nomination. Was he? He went sure. out there and he was able to relate. That DeSantis, there are real concerns that he has, and that that he just does not have the personality to offset Trump. So he showed up, DeSantis did, on his book tour. And I know every time you release a book, you go to Nevada, Iowa, and New Hampshire. Those are the three states. It's, the a, it's a complete, complete coincidence there on that part. But um, So he gets up. And this is why DeSantis is going to have a hard time resonating in Iowa. His whole pitch is, look at how well I did in Florida. So he gets up on the stage, okay, of a theater in uh, or the stage in Davenport and Des Moines, two different places. He's there with Iowa's governor who has been going around with all of these candidates, just kind of welcoming them and, and staying neutral. So he gets up and talks about this list of things that they did in the state of Florida. And you've got an Iowa audience who are saying, yeah, we did that. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. So what? You know, in other words, it doesn't sell here the way that it might in some other states. And this is the first proving ground. Now, keep in mind, Trump did not win Iowa in 2016. Ted Cruz did. So Trump comes in to Davenport three days after DeSantis, has a very subdued event. It was not with people jumping up and down on the risers behind him. He was in a theater. It was a, a very well managed. And they're saying that the Trump campaign is going to be far more disciplined this time as opposed to 2016 because he can't afford to lose in Iowa. So you've got a couple of things going on. You've got the fact that he is still popular in the state. You've got the fact that the chief opponent, DeSantis, does not have the advantage in Iowa that he might in other states. And you now have Trump showing up acting, quote unquote, presidential, the very thing that everybody said he didn't do before. So it's a very different Trump that we have seen so far in Iowa. But boy, did he sharpen the knives with regard to nicknames and everything on the plane in, at the podium and on the plane out. And, and again, it just comes down to this guy would be nothing without me. And so you need to vote for me because he's an ungrateful louse. Meatball Ron is he needs to go with that one. That's a great that's yeah, a great take. He, to, he rejected that one. He uh, specifically rejected that one in favor of get this one. Tiny D. <laughs> he's mixing. He, he's going to mingle Tiny D with DeSanctimonious. Wow. And I have to tell you, this is the bad thing very quickly. When DeSantis is on the stage talking about how great he is. He looks like the sanctimonious guy. Yeah. I, it's just the way it is. You and I said this when he started poking around. Yes. Can a guy from Florida win a national election? He's not going to resonate in Iowa. He's not going to resonate in New Hampshire either. South Carolina, maybe Nevada, possibly, maybe in Vegas. But, you know, he just, that's a problem for him. Ve Florida is not the win he thinks it is. Well, you tell me. What do you think of his book once you finish reading it? Because I'm sure it's on your night table. Okay. <laughs> I, I have it. I have it. It's like a wave machine. I have it on audiobook. It just keeps me sleeping nicely at night. So. That's, that's helpful in your condition. Uh, Jeff Stein, once again, the Iowa Politics Report. I'll post later. Great to have you back, Jeff. I missed you. Uh, we'll we'll talk you to you uh, next week, hour two. That's coming up next.